I just hate really spicy salsa. And by really spicy, I mean simply medium. <laughs> what, um, give me an insight into what Posse. your salsa is. Yeah, the canned salsa. Sorry, sorry. I, you said, I, I, sorry, you said passe? Passe. Is that what it is? Oh, no, I mean, that's that's probably the correct way of pronouncing it, I would assume. Yeah, jo- Josiah, you might be too young for this. The This is the salsa that when I was a kid, uh-huh. there would be there would be these advertisements about New York City Pace Picante Salsa. <laughs> it was Pace. Pace? Pace. Yes. Oh, okay. That's so interesting. But like, uh, I mean, like, but like if it's salsa this is... and it's like spelled like that, it makes me... It makes much more sense to call it passe. That's, that's, that's probably gosh. how you pronounce it. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, Pace that's the, the salsa Conti I grew salsa. up. <laughs> that's the salsa that's like funny. I grew up eating probably the most. That's what my parents would always get. But we just never pronounced the brand name. It's just salsa, you know? <laughs> that just is what salsa is, you know? <laughs> the big one in Texas is Julio's. Mm. I've also got to say that like the house salsa for your tortilla chips at literally any mexican restaurant on the planet mm-hmm. undefeated oh yeah way better yeah. way better than undefeated yeah, than the house pace. salsa <laughs> i'm not just pace but like you you can't get a salsa better than that at the grocery store you literally can't like yeah. that salsa is yeah the, like we we almost made I almost made homemade salsa the other day. I used to work at my family's restaurant and make homemade salsa, and I almost made it the other day. But Josiah didn't want to clean the kitchen, so oh. instead, okay, okay, so instead, okay. I got I got a jar of salsa. <laughs> okay, luck, luck, luck. So well, um, so that's how I'm eating this very spicy jarred salsa. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> Um, if Kim was here right now, she'd be like, man, I almost wore this thing the other day, but Chris didn't fold the fucking laundry. Yeah. 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 It's so, uh, I understand, uh, Josiah, the kitchen is my domain and, uh, I do not do the fucking laundry cause fuck that shit. I hate that goddamn shit. I hate, I hate it, man. Oh man. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yeah, well, all right. Laundry book is time, my favorite book time, book time. Let's, let's tackle oh, book this time. book, no. bro. You're listening to Fruitless, a podcast hosted by me, Josiah Sutton. This is the beginning of a series within the show that I'm going to be doing with Chris Barker, where we read books. Today's episode is episode 14 of the show, episode one of the book club, The Basque History of the World. And uh, I'm hoping to make new stuff like this as time goes on. Fruitless is back, I think. Maybe. Let's see. I have some fun stuff in the works outside of just the, uh, the interview model that the show has been. So look forward to it, I guess. And enjoy the show. technically a podcast we are officially recording so it is a podcast oh yeah welcome yes to a kind of a series within fruitless to get me making fliss again that i believe we're calling the barker book club is that what we're rolling with because i oh, we like are it. yeah that's what i said oh, i said yeah. i like because because fruitless is my brand so i'm already my name's already in play well, right. but this is this well, is chris i kind of i kind of like the the idea of josiah and chris read a book it is Josiah and Chris read a book. Whatever the name ends up being, that's the that's the premise. At the end of the day, is uh, Chris and I both have a long list of nonfiction books 
that we want to read but need the push to read. And so we are going yep. to go back and forth once a month-ish picking out a book. And this yep. this month was Chris. And Chris picked out the Basque history of the world. So why don't you tell us a little... Oh, and also um, my, my girlfriend, Kelly, uh, who I believe likes to also be called Chimera right now in podcast stuff that's going to oh, be coming okay. out soon. Cool. So, uh, yeah, that's that's going to be a little that. cool code name. But uh, Ke- uh, like Chimera that. is here listening in on her iPad, so she might... Uh, chime in she's not read the book but uh if she thinks we're just talking out our ass she'll call us out which um, we might be i i have not read the book but i love to interrupt men so <laughs> i'm here for the evening oh well uh i have to keep them humble chris uh chris what um and she might she might read the next next month's book and start joining us but uh chris what, oh man well what get ready to be sad chimera oh yeah the next <laughs> one's gonna be rough uh this one was a little less rough it wasn't too it was it had its sad moments but it was uh yeah I kinda it had a lot of moments this one <laughs> yeah this one's not too much of a, yeah so chris what's the book tell us about it all that good shit yeah, um, well, uh, uh, so this is a, a writer, Mark Kurlansky, who I'd read before. He has a book, well, I'm assuming he um, has a book uh, called Nonviolence, The History of a Dangerous Idea uh, that I remember reading when I was in college and being like, dang, I really like that book. And um, I still have it, and I haven't revisited it in a while, so I don't really know how well it holds up. Um, but he's written a bunch of other books. He's got uh, a history of cod, the fish. Yeah. He's also got that, that history. salt history, salt. which seems cool. Yep. Salt. Yeah. yeah. And then and then uh, I was going to quickly mention he's got a history of 1968, the revolts of 1968. That might be a future appearance on yeah. this series if we keep doing it, because I that's been on my list for a while. Uh, I didn't so, actually so realize this... it was the same author. Yeah, so this guy seems like he's a dude who's got just like a little bit of an askew uh, perspective on world history and kind of wants to uh, look at stuff that people don't really look at, look at things and places and peoples that people don't really spend much time on. And so when I saw that there was this book, I bought it several years ago, and I just hadn't gotten around to it. And then when... uh, then when I was talking to Josiah about starting this, I was like, well, let's read, let's read this book. I don't know anything about these people. Yeah. So um, it's the best history like, of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And this is like, this is not an academic history. Like this is a popular history book. So like, don't come into this expecting, you know, the, the most rigorous scholarship or anything like that. Like this book has recipes in it, which I did dog mark because I do want to try some of them. I would love um, to hear about it. If you try them, I don't think I like fish enough to do them though. Cause they're very fish oriented oh. and I am. Oh yes. Not they a big are. Fish and I love fish. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll love to hear about fish. it. Yeah. Um, but like there are a bunch of recipes in this book. Like that is not what happens in an academic book of history. Um, but it, it felt like a really, really good overview of like what was going on with these people. I mean, I think the best thing you could say about it is this book made me want to know more about the Bosque. Yes. And I mean, that's at the end of the and day. And it made me want to know more about the Bosque, like diaspora as well. 
Yeah, because did it ever talk about like uh, I know Jake, who might appear in future iterations of this, but uh, he, one of someone who also read the book had sent us the link to that um, that uh, Iceland, the thing about Iceland uh, having yeah. laws about being able I mean, to kill Basques until 2015. That that wasn't in the book, was it? Was there anything about he the? He didn't even talk Basques? about that. At least as far as I and can like, remember, what? he didn't even talk about that. And like. The Bosques were like liable to be shot on sight. Yeah, apparently it was legal to sh- kill a Basque just, kill just for no no reason. As long as you know they're Basque, you could kill them in Iceland until 2015. <laughs> like, oh my wow. god, these people be- these people made enemies. <laughs> they really did. That's insane. But no, it's mostly focused on Spain. Well, and this is also another thing that he didn't really go that much into. But, like, okay, do you remember when you were in high school and shit? And you mm-hmm. would be reading Shakespeare, and there would be some stuff about the King of Navarre? Yeah. Wait. Yeah, you're right. That That's these out. people. I know. That's oh, these you know what's people. Re- okay. And, like, the King of Navarre... Me. But like, but like, like the King of Navarre in so much medieval literature is, like, this little, like trickster god hanging out in the fucking mountains making people's lives miserable and you're like what's going on over there and now i read this book and i was like oh they just really didn't want you to mess with them that's what was they going were just on like leave there. me alone that's all they were doing yeah <laughs> and they kept secrets because they were whalers because they were whalers and they didn't speak your language so they seemed all they, mysterious and they did not want to speak your language <laughs> I was going to say, um, the one that I was really interested in with this was the Jesuits being, uh, uh, like, oh, Ignatius yeah. being Basque. I did not know that, which also, hilarious open door for conspiracy theories there, that, like, the Basques mm-hmm. run the world through the Jesuits. That was that was something I was laughing about in my head. Yeah, that that's, a, that's a, uh, I think that's a good new, like, incipient one. That's the one that we should, like, really try to, like slip into <laughs> yeah, <thanks. laughs> the discourse of like yeah it's not it's not um, really it's not Basques for a while yeah it's not jewish folks who run the world it's the bosques yeah this like five hundred thousand <laughs> strong group of folks in the borderlands of spain and france like these are actually <laughs> like the people who run the world uh, sorry just to be clear i do not believe that no, um, no, they seem lovely. And I, and I also disavow Jewish conspiracy theories. Yeah, that's also that's bad. bullshit. <laughs> Jewish people are good. I, yep. <laughs> wow. All right. Sorry. I like, I like, I like, I, I talked myself into a cul-de-sac and I need to get out of it again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, real quick, my computer's I, lagging up a bunch, so I'm taking the, turning the video off. So I apologize for uh, all right. disappearing. No, here, you're good. But, um, yeah, because I was I was telling the uh, the gap between when I would hear what you said and when I saw your lips moving was like a minute. It was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> um, that's suboptimal. Yeah, that's that does not seem to be working out. No, uh, yeah, I yeah. do like the the bass conspiracy thing. Could be a pretty funny bit, but. Um, it would no, be I a funny bit, but like you know, that's a that's a good really reoccurring. Oh, we'll they don't s- need help. That's true. They have been picked on a lot, and they've been picked on specifically by. I would say the the main focus of the book ends up being Spanish history primarily, but like Basque's role in Spanish history. That's a good chunk of it, especially yeah. toward the end. Yeah, um, I would kind of 
want to press Kurlansky a little bit more about like how the Bosques are treated in France, because it's not super evident in this book. Like, I mean, we know how totalizing France's idea of France is. Oh, especially and, the language, the enforcement of language after the yeah. Napoleonic Wars was like pretty brutal. Yeah. So it probably affected them. Yeah. And so like, I'm just like, I know that there is still Bosque country on that side of the Pyrenees in those first two departments in France. Mm-hmm. But like, but he, like Kralinsky didn't really talk about that because most of well, the Bosque people in Spain and that's fair. Like that's your focus. But I mean, there don't, had don't to have quote been me on stuff. this. Don't quote me on this, but if I'm correct, he, cause uh, my audiobook of this ended with a, a short interview with him and all of so i might be wrong about this but if i'm correct he got the idea to write about the basque the basque specifically i think while he was in spain covering the franco regime as a journalist because he was a journalist as well and so i think he was a little biased about the spanish basques because that was where he got kind of introduced to it as a subject yeah i think he talked about that in what like uh functions as the preface to the book yeah. Um that he was he was like, you know, in these Spanish cafes and there were people who like wouldn't talk to him. And he like eventually mm-hmm. like heard them talking in not Spanish. And it was like Yes. Hey, what's going on there? What's going on over there? What, what are and your then secrets? they like any Yeah, he like finally started getting stuff out of him. I mean like uh uh derailing slightly, but like uh there are a lot of russians in uh chattanooga right now (laughs) oh really yeah and uh so i'll just like i'll be at work and um i just kind of use some russian phrases as like everyday things that i say because yeah there yeah i know the language yes um and so i'll hear russians come in or russian speakers i can't always like pay exactly where they're from yeah yeah but i'll like i'll hear it and i'll be like oh man i'm catching like every third word i basically know what you're saying but then they just like go to their table or whatever but then i'll be like behind the bar and i'll like i'll pick up a ticket and be like hey and then i'll see (laughs) people go what did he just say oh whoops Cause like I so we so we behind the scenes we worked at a coffee shop together a few years like back at this point. Um, like I remember you doing that occasionally, but you know, like it's like oh that's just Chris. I don't know what that means. It's just a thing he says. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but like, but also you know, if I'm like throwing a t- if I'm like gesturing Italianly with a ticket at you and going yeah, yeah you know what you're what saying. saying. You're is, like, why is isn't this? this getting made? Yeah, why isn't getting made? Let's go. Come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> or like I'll be I'll be working in the kitchen and I'll I'll throw some food in the pass and I'll just say like Yedi Gariachi. <laughs> that means hot food in in Russian. Yeah. And then like you'll you'll see like the Russian speakers like perk up like oh, what the fuck? That's really like, interesting. Nah, I didn't just... I didn't know there was such a big uh, Russian population there. I think there are a lot of people who don't want to live in Russia right now. Um and I can't really I wonder why. Them. And um yeah, I wonder why. But uh, I can't remember exactly why I got on this digression. No, no, because you're talking about he was, you know, Kurlansky was like hearing like uh, people speaking Basque. Oh, yeah, that's it. And, you know, yeah, yeah. And, like coffee shops and stuff in Spain. 
secretly, yeah, mind and so you. it's just like it's it's totally like because like everyone who is like everyone who is speaking Russian when they come into the shop right now are like, oh, no, put him on, no, 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 right? Like it's mm-hmm. everything is like very quiet. Yeah. They do not want us to know what they're doing. Yeah, which is fine because like I think that they've got like a pretty decent fear that like hey americans probably don't want to hear russian right now meanwhile yeah. i'm sitting here going you know you just bark it well, i know russian. i know i know what you're saying yeah yeah oh <laughs> yeah well that's kind of yeah that's a good okay that actually is a really good interesting comparison of what we're talking about here yeah i see the connection now because like the thing about the basques is is when they were being that way everyone would be like well what are their secrets they're so secretive but it was like you know, the reason they're doing that is because under, under when we talk about like later on, it's like Francoist Spain. It's illegal for yeah, them to be talking yeah, yeah, yeah. in their language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. which when Kurlansky was first there, they, they, mm, you can't do that. Yeah, and like that was a, of course, a, ser- a period, a, a you know, a, a big source of ire that led to an assassination of a Spanish official at some point. All sorts of cool stuff. But... Yeah, old boy got his fucking head yeeted. <laughs> I didn't know the guy who did that was Basque. I just knew that that had happened, but I didn't realize that just like yeeted. the the I didn't realize that because I, I don't know my Spanish history super well, and I was I was interested to find out how like few Spaniards did much to resist Franco compared to it was the Basques that were the militant factions, as everyone was just kind of waiting for him to die, you know, like yeah, I mean, the, like like because 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 the Catalans got crushed, right. You know, and like the Catalans just couldn't do anything. And then, I mean, if you just look at the topography of Spain, mm-hmm. once the Catalans lost, it's like well, the Basques are the only hope. Yeah, because no, and no one was like bold I mean, enough you're to never... like start another civil well, war. I mean, you know, I mean, like it, it was well, really yeah, bad the first well, time. <laughs> yeah, well, and also, you know, if you can't actually get like genuine. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, we're pulling this back to Ukraine and Russia right now, but like, if you can't actually get full on support from an outside major power to actually form and arm an army, you're not going to do anything against Franco. Like, it's not going to happen, right? And the only place where it's even feasible to resist militarily is the boss country because it's just mountains so there's only one way in and one way out and they can just shoot at you right but the rest of spain you know the rain in spain falls mainly on the plane you know I, like the topography of spain is does not lend itself to uh, insurgencies yeah. yeah that's that's a good point um, well, let's uh, let's talk about this language they're not allowed to talk to speak speak uh, speak in um, cause I think that's, uh, that's the big first, like third of the book, I think is a kind of experience, like maybe third, third, but like first few chapters feel really committed to like talking about the language. Cause that's, what's so fucking weird about them. <laughs> that's why the Basques are so weird. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it is, I, I just wish that we knew more and maybe we do, maybe, you know, maybe Kurlansky doesn't have access to all of the information, the um, archives that we there. could like, yeah. Yeah, but I I wish that we knew more because it like really seems like this is an almost primeval language. 
Yeah, so because that's the thing. So this is a so the Basques, if you're not familiar, is, have the only language in Europe that is not an Indo-European language. Like we do not know where it yeah. came from. It is not connected to any other languages. And then even more confuddling is the one time we saw some similarities between them was with them, and I don't remember who it was, but a Native American language. Like yes. what? <laughs> I was yes. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Which is, like, the thing that lends itself to, like, you know, Bosques like to boast that they went to to the Americas. Um, and Before then the Vikings, and yeah. Like, yeah, and then you, like, look at some of these, like, the names and, like, some of the linguistic stuff that's going on with some of those, like, New England uh, native tribes. And you're like, oh, shit, did the Basques get here? Did yeah, I think I might have been, I might be Basque-pilled. I think they might have gone and traded well, in New England. Oh, Kelly, Kelly's calling her bullshit. God damn it. I was, I know, I was, no, I was going to say, uh, I don't know about New England, but the Basques were in Texas. They always say, remember the Alamo, but they never say, remember the Basques, and the Basques were at the Alamo. Oh, so well, yeah, yeah, because there is the yep. diaspora. Like they start coming over, uh, because they play yeah. a huge role. Many, in... many original Tejanos are of Basque descendants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, think about it locationally, right? They're the big shipper. You know, they're they're whalers. They're they they you know are fishermen, etc. They're going. They know how to do boats. Everyone else is going. And then, well, they're and then when the new world, and then when the new world comes around, no, this is how this connects to Texas. When the new world, like you know, once once European colonization starts taking place, uh, they are located in Spain and France, two of the most major colonial forces. So Basques, being good shipmakers, get pulled into that project, and so Basques were. Yep. You know, often they're, they're on at the, the ground floor. Yeah, of a lot of well, a lot of horrible boats, stuff. Like so kind of an L, but yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I I just think I, I I'm I'm with you a little bit, Josiah, where I'm like just very slightly basque pilled on this. Of yeah. like, holy, did they did they do it? Did they do it first? And we just like, and and we just like don't really have good records of it. And they probably well, maybe even didn't know what they had done. But did they well, yeah, do it? I think they did because because Herlancy makes a really good case for it too. That like we often have a really hard time knowing the behaviors of like fishermen or whalers because they obviously don't want to tell people where they went because then they are getting yeah. rid of their monopoly on a good fishing spot. You know, so yeah. like that explains why it would not have a written record because they were yeah. keeping it a secret because because they had like a monopoly on whales essentially in Europe. And so like, yeah. of course they didn't want to tell anyone. Yeah. And like, maybe you like left a dude behind for a little while mm -hmm. to like man a station so that like, Hey, the next time we come back here, like we've got yeah. a place to like moor the boat up or something. Well, and it's not even, and, like, I mean, I'm also thinking dudes, of, uh, like, I'm thinking of the Basques in Iceland too. It's like, well, it's not that crazy to see them as like kind of, you know, over there just a little farther, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. They made it to Iceland. It's not that far to Greenland. And once you make it to Greenland, it's really not that far. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's how the Vikings did it. Of course. Um, you know, Norse. Exactly. Norse, yeah. They just, I mean, you know, they Island hopped in a different way. No. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of sold on that, but, um, I'm trying to think of the other medieval history here that, it, well, I mean, it goes back to ancient, like they, they appeared with like Romans too, right? There's like kind of Roman records of the Basques wanting to be left alone, 
you know, mm-hmm, even back mm-hmm. is that far. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the order because I yeah. kind of read this book in chunks with gaps. So I'm trying well, to remember it all. Well, because, I mean, because basically the, like, the story is that the Bosques really didn't care if you went through. They just care if you stayed. Yeah. And, and so, specifically like, tried to change tried their traditions or whatever. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, basically like the Romans came through, they conquered the Iberian Peninsula and Gaul on their way up to Britain. Um, and then they like tried to go through Bosque land and the Bosques were like, no, this is where we live. <laughs> you can come through. That's fine. But like, you don't own us go on. <laughs> and I mean, that's been, like, that is the consistent keep... history. Yeah. Get yeah. Fucked. Like, yeah. But like, you know, like we don't care if you use the road, but just, you don't get to stay. Yeah. We're tripping way, way ahead. So uh, this is something that I want to talk about as we kind of like wrap the conversation up eventually as uh, about okay. the like kind of nationalism question and stuff. Um, vis-a-vis all of this um because i yeah. think it's complicated i yeah i'm i'm um, let's i yeah let's let's do just because there's not a ton to say about the medieval stuff anyway let's get through it and then like yeah i think that's where we're going to spend a lot of time because that's also in that 1848 episode we did that's where we spent a lot of our time too was talking about nationalism mm-hmm. i think it's uh something on yep. both our minds but before nationalism oh, yeah, yeah. is uh the middle ages uh you know, oh. and they they found the Jesuits. That's I think the most notable thing to come out of that period, and they did a lot of whaling. A lot of whaling, and like maybe be Adam Smith to capitalism. Yeah, there's that's a there's a case for that kind of being made in here that they they might have been kind of the originators of of it. Um, despite you know later on being a kind of consistent resisting to capitalism as as time goes on, um, which is something that I find very interesting about them, and that I also want to continue talking to you, to you about because like man, this group of folks, man, <laughs> <laughs> they are wild. I think I said to you when we first started doing it, it's like it just seems like just being stubborn as shit is like the only way to live. Yeah, <laughs> they. Like that—that's these people. They're just well. I mean, it's, it's I mean, it's kind of worked out for them. I mean, can you think of many cultures that existed prior to the Roman Empire that are still just hanging out in Europe right now? I mean, like they. Yeah, that are holy just like, shit. Yeah, we're basically the same. Just like a direct continuity like that is very interesting in a way that you just don't see that mm-hmm. anywhere else in Europe. Really, I mean, it's like everything in Europe is after Rome, pretty much. But, oh Jesus, um, man, my notes are a mess. Sorry, I'm just looking at my notes. Man, the next time we do this, I actually do have to like do a word doc and have actual thoughts that are yeah, I mean, Half Goodness of this gracious. book was just like a series of interesting fun facts and stuff too. So if that ends up being what we're doing, that's fine. Because that's kind of what the book's best at. It's just being like, isn't this yeah. weird? <laughs> isn't it though? It, it is. is quite... So yeah, so was it? It was through whaling that they would be kind of the early progenitors of capitalism, right? Like they weren't. Was it? It wasn't like. Yeah. Well, I'm trying. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. They they had a monopoly on a resource, and they were, you know, building up kind of infrastructure around it and stuff. Yeah, and they're um. So they had like they had traders who were like just more on the cutting edge of things, you know, like more on the cutting edge of that stuff. Um, and then that also gave. 
it's interesting. He talks about it a little bit in the book that like the coastal towns, um, and it, it reflects the pattern of development in so many other ways um, that has happened in the world. Like the coastal towns, like mm-hmm. get that, get that money. Right. And then the places right. that are a little more inland stay more, you know, traditional. Yeah. 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 You and know, so the Basques, they stay more, yeah. they stay a little more conservative. Yeah. Although Basques are weird for up, this reason. Yeah. Because they do kind of both. Right. I mean, but yeah, like, huh. but like the coastal towns get the money and then the, 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 the inland towns stay conservative and they like kind of keep each other in tension. So like the whole region kind of, I mean, this is like the fucking libertarian wet dream of like the rising tide lifts all boats type situation. Yeah. Like, like money is flowing through the Bosque region but they are keeping their like identity for yeah, a because while. They, yeah. Yeah. For a while. It doesn't hold because it can't hold. Right. It can't. Um, and because the tensions of capitalism and then the tensions of the oncoming industrial revolution, which the boss country is also at the forefront of, are just necessarily like tearing at the social fabric. Right. Yeah. Like there's yeah, no really... way to. Go ahead, they're really at gra- I was going to say, I mean, they're really at just like ground zero of capitalism. That's what I was going to say. Like yeah. they just really like, yeah, it, it even, even kind of, um, we think when we think of like the coming of capitalism, we think of Britain, but I think the Basques have them beat even a little, a little more. I think they um, might or it's around the same bit, time, at but least. like, they're yeah. just like, it's such a small area that it's not like, it's not. It's not influential on the world stage. It's influential locally quite a lot. And it's and it's it's like the foundation of Spain in its like crippled state through the late eighteen hundreds and early nineteen hundreds. Right? Like the Bosque country is like the heartbeat of Spain for that period of time, but it's not it's not at all like the way that England ends up transforming. Yeah. Um, I mean, goodness gracious me, England. Yeah. But the 18, the 1800s is kind of, like you said, it's ripping at the social fabric. This is like, this is the period where if Basques like did lose their identity for a bit, it was what kind of the 1800s and early 1900s on until the Franco regime, right? Is when they really started um, to reassert themselves during Franco. What's what is old boy's name? Who was the big, the big dude? Oh goodness gracious! Arana Sabino Arana. Right, right. Yep. Here we go on page one sixty four. Sabino Arana was a fanatic, perhaps a lunatic, certainly a racist, a man who spent his life in a hot headed fury, dying young and absurdly. <laughs> But this is the guy who also, like, codified the Basque language in written form and in literary form. Like, yeah. turned the Basques into a nation in the way that we think about it. Very complicated. Big old Very asshole. complicated. Also, they're, they're... that's the Basques. Yeah, that's the Basques. I mean, because he's he's a piece of shit. Like, but he's also yeah he's he's also doing important stuff for the national project. And I think it takes, I mean, I would say it takes until more the the nineteen early nineteen hundreds mid nineteen hundreds for like 
the kind of left-wing nationalism that finally kind of, you know, was more the case with Basque nationalism. Like, it took a mm-hmm. little longer, I, I think, before it got there. But, you know, Sabino, he is, uh, you know, st- straight out of 18, you know, late 1800s nationalism. This is post-48 stuff, you know, like, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, he's like, he's a reactionary nationalist. Yeah, he's, this is, I mean, because this is, like, what? He's writing around the time of, like, the Dreyfus affair and stuff like This is when, like, yeah. really mm-hmm. some, some. I mean, the progenitors to fascism, I mean, frankly, are getting, are getting oh, yeah. vocal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, you know, a thing that he doesn't do enough in this is talk about Atletico Bilbao. Oh, yeah? This is a, com- this is a complete diversion. But uh, Atletico de Bilbao is uh, the soccer team in Bilbao, uh, as the name might tell you. Mm-hmm. They have a policy of nobody plays on our team who is in Bosque. Yeah, right. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's, uh, that's, that's kind of the ugly side of it, too. It can be sometimes. But they're also <laughs> a, like the minority in Spain. And so like the, uh, it also makes sense it, that they want to be assertive of their national identity yep. in light of, you know, we again, are, not being allowed to speak the fucking language. Exactly. Like, we are the Bosque team. No one but a Bosque can play for us. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like in the United States. No, not the United States. In our like region of the world, uh, you go to Chivas uh, de Guadalajara. Mm-hmm. They don't sign anyone who's not a Mexican. Right. You have right. to be a Mexican to play for Chivas. And on some level, it's like yeah. And then on the other level, it's like yeah. Yo, you've been kind of. I, I get that. Yeah, forced. I to get not that. Have this like, identity or whatever. Yeah. Like it's yeah. If you just want to have Mexicans on your team, that's fine. But on the other hand, it's like yeah, but like you 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 could sign this dude from over here, and he'd make your team better. But they, they don't <laughs> want to do that. They don't want to do that. No. And like and like and like Bill Bow, they don't win. They don't win leagues. Mm-hmm. But, but they're always pretty good. Always pretty good. <laughs> um, they're always pretty good. No, they are. Um, ah, oh, shit. Okay, where were we here? Um, We're kind of talking about this rising nationalism <laughs> and Sabino Arara. Well, yeah, okay. Ah, here we go. Arana, maybe we should Arana. talk about the contradictions with local control and revanchism. Um, so, like, this is kind of leading up to something I was talking about earlier. Like, Arana is a fucking bag of dicks. Mm-hmm. But he sucks. And if he had ever been able to wrest local control away from the central government in Spain uh, and towards the Basque country. Do we think that's good? I, I have a hard time with Iran. Uh, yeah. Cause he, cause he, he lays out some pretty horrific policy moves. I, if I recall, right. Like, yeah. And, and, and we <clears throat> can like, look at this here in the United States, right. Where we've got a ton of local control and it is uh, not always great. Not good. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, uh, doesn't you know? work out. Yeah. But then you have to balance that. You have to balance that with, okay, but like what's going on over here that's worth preserving culturally. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a thing that I think we all need to like grapple with as we're going forward. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, and, and as the, you know, of, as the national question, I think, is re- reappearing, as we, we kind of talked about in that 1848 Fruitless episode we did. It, it's worth kind of yeah. grappling with this again, I think. Yeah, and as we're going forward with any sort of, like, 
truly democratic project because I think you and I both agree that like <clears throat> we don't get socialism without democracy and there's no true democracy without socialism but like okay but but like what does that mean in the context of eastern Tennessee and central Iowa yeah what does democracy mean in those places and like the 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 extent to which there can be this like yeah I, it's it's hard to talk about because in the context of in the context of Spain the bosques are a minority mm-hmm. in the context of the bosque country they're obviously they are the, a, a the majority, majority. Yeah. so shouldn't they have a, a a run over what's going on here and that that's what makes things difficult and i don't know if maybe uh, Chimera wants to uh, pop in here at all because, like, I am kind of at a loss to how to like figure this stuff out. Yeah, no, I, I, am I just, too, I just don't know. You yeah. know, yeah. Uh, we 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 try to be like, oh yeah, the American Constitution protects minority rights, and we're living in a United States that protects minority rights which is actually just the minority rights of the majority white people. Um, And that's a (laughs) bunch of bullshit. But like, how do we protect the minority rights of, of people who like have a slightly different identity to us? It's just, I think this is a, I think this is a complicated question. Yeah. I don't have the answers to in any way. Um, well, and I'm not trying to propose an answer to it all. No, I don't. Well, one thing I would ask, though, is how do you feel about, like, the kind of autonomous region kind of conclusion that the Basques kind of are have in the, you know, last few decades or whatever as it kind of wraps up? Um, yeah, I think that that is, um, well, okay, I would say that, like, that feels stopgappy. Yeah, like it doesn't actually address the problem quite. Yeah, and also, okay, from from the Spanish uh, perspective, they probably feel like that was a mistake mm-hmm. because that gives the Catalans uh, y- yeah. leverage which to try we, to break away. Yeah, which we've I think we've seen those protests from that in the last few decades, right? Yes. That that's kind of manifested. Exactly. And then from from a like European wide perspective, okay, well, if Scotland or Northern Ireland or Wales leave the UK, how's Spain gonna treat that? Because what they don't want is to embolden separatist separatist movements in their own countries. They wanna keep their own territorial inter- integrity. So this is why I'm saying that it is a really weird and difficult question to approach that I'm not sure has a correct answer. I'm not sure if if it even has an answer. No. Um, Yeah. How do you, how do you, it's worth, it's worth a discourse about though, because even though for instance, any one of us may not have, a whole lot of cultural similarities with a Basque person. Um, something to note is that tr- generally um, Basque societies are are better about gender relations and feature women mm. more prominently in their histories and their folklore and their 
um, their public ceremonies and their economic engagements. Mm -hmm. Like, women were a lot more involved in that. Um, So there's, I don't know, it's just like that, just to be a little cheesy, it's like that you learn so much from another person. Yeah, well, and and in that sense, they actually might model uh, democracy better than other aspects of Europe, right? Because women are, are play a bigger role. And I mean, you know, the, the, the like basic fact that it feels like obvious to point out, but still seems to be pointed out like frequently is like, uh, like women make up 50% of the population and uh, a lot of decisions and a lot of, uh, uh, you know, even histories are written without 50% of the population in mind. It dem- democracy by necessity needs to uh, account for, the thoughts, feelings, and emotions, and uh, political behaviors of fifty percent of the population. I would think. Uh, now, yeah. I will. I will say that Basque culture still has like um, the patriarchal inheritance laws. Like when uh, when someone passes away, the property always stays within the name of a male. However, women were still prominent as leaders in in the society. In like in. Um, in economic um, endeavors. Um, but I, I'm just like, I'm still just sort of like, like on the like, how do we do, how do we do something like recognition of local differences while also um, maintaining understanding a democratic that, unified like, country of some sort? Well, yeah. And also like understanding that like, hey, you like need to like, like this is a whole thing here and like we've we've got rules and like just cuz you've lived this way for a long time doesn't mean that you get to like behave a certain way mm-hmm. but then like who decides <sighs> but the, yeah very... but who's who's the moral decider yeah that's always the problem with this stuff is like yeah you know at the end of the day you start just you know if you follow the logic of how the world should be organized you know, based in these kind of like, I don't know, when you're like, oh, this is how everyone should behave. And this is, you know, we got to set this moral standard. We just kind of start making like our little like pet Stalin in our head, you know, like, here's the guy right, who's going to grab exactly. control and make things right. Um, and like we exactly. You know, and I am I mean, so scared <laughs> of becoming Joseph Stalin. You're, you're because, yes, Stalin. Uh, I am so scared of being Chris that guy. Stalin. Chris Stalin. There we go. <laughs> so so if you want to avoid that, all you have to do is go to a Toko, which is a gastronomical society that Basques form. It's oh, like yeah. a men's club for cooking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. He talks about that. He does talk about that. Hey, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. Nice. I just learned about it on Wikipedia. Oh yeah, no, Kelly's catching up on who the Basques are. <laughs> no, I would. Uh, I would. Yeah, love I that. literally um, have opened just the Wikipedia page for Basques? Question mark. <laughs> we got. Um, we got Basques thin in the air, thin on the ground, just generally trim here yeah. in Chattanooga. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, that was an Eddie Izzard reference. You guys are too <laughs> old for that shit, aren't you? <laughs> I, I did not get the reference, I hate to say. I hate not getting a reference. I want to be cool and cultured. Ke- Kelly, sorry. did you get the Eddie Izzard reference? I did, I did reference? not get it. Bummer. No. It. Okay, well, Eddie <laughs> is wonderful, and you should um, watch her stand-up specials at some point. Just, I, I need you to leave this moment of Chris being old in. 
in um, the in the whatever episode, you I will, do with I this. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie Izzard is wonderful, and I love her. Did um did you guys did your author mention that these Sokos these uh these gastronomical societies were closed off to women? Yes, he did. Yes. He did mention that. Uh, gender so is that's, well. that's, that's very interesting. I think that's well, and I think it's actually. I mean, first of all, it sucks, of course, that women are excluded. However, something is very wholesome to me about a bunch of men just getting together to cook. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know what that's I mean? Not a bad thing necessarily. Yes. Um. I. I. <laughs> there's like not a great way to like defend men's only institutions. <laughs> Like ever, <laughs> yeah. Like there's not, but but if it, but but imagine imagine if these societies existed with women, that would just mean that the women would be cooking in the kitchen and the men would be doing the socializing. Part that's of a it. that's a good point. Exactly. That's a so, good point. So yeah. I think it's very nice exactly. that there's men actually like practicing the art of cooking and they're doing it in a communal sense. I think that's really nice. Yeah. Well, yes, and exactly. I think. There's there's like a lot of ways in for for these like men's social clubs to just be like dudes being dudes or whatever. And then like in the background are women still like doing Labor. all of the actual yeah. work for them. Right. But right. a situation like this where it's like we're cooking like that's we're dudes getting together and that's cooking. the dudes doing the work and then they're gonna fucking clean that up. <laughs> As as long as my future Basque husband brings me home a leftover plate, hey, hey, he hey, can hey. go to as many men's only societies as he wants. God damn it. I just introduced her to the Basques and now she's going to leave me for a Basque. God damn it. <laughs> but like, I also kind of remember this thing that my dad did when I was in college and, um, you know, he would get together with a bunch of dudes and they would brew beer yeah and it was only dudes um i don't think they would have necessarily been like averse to having a woman there but like it was just, it was dudes. just how it and happened they were brewing yeah, beer. Right. and then they would finish and they would clean up and then a month later they would drink the beer and like there's nothing wrong with that no yeah you know i think where, know? where the but, where it it gets but a it little also iffy still with does the... feel weird well, where it gets a little iffy with the Basques is it's important, like, food is really important to the Basque cultural identity. Mm -hmm. So it is a little bit mm. them kind of, like, making sure women don't, uh, don't you know, get involved with this, uh, you know, important... Oh, wait, holy shit. Is this the fucking start of French, of, of chef culture? The, the I don't know that Kurlansky... Yeah, I don't know that Kurlansky really made this connection, but is this the fucking start of chef culture? That's that's so interesting. If it is, the Basques I, I are mean, literally I, behind everything. I'm like this. I'm Basque build, bro. <laughs> like, but like seriously, you know, like you you think about like restaurants and like who's in charge of the kitchen in mm -hmm. any sort of an industrial or a commercial sense. And it's always a dude. Yeah. Yeah. And did the fucking the, Basques do that? I think they did. I don't know. I I, I can't corroborate that i shouldn't just say <laughs> okay also know. well no i'm i'm speculating right now too also though i do want to talk a little bit just 
uh, a thing we texted about uh, about the like Basques are like the northernmost spicy likers. Oh yeah, <laughs> I just think that that is fascinating. That like yeah, they they like their spicy that's as foods. far north as you can grow a spicy pepper. Right. Okay. Yeah. This was a whole big thing for their culture too. Right. Was was like spicy peppers were like a big deal. Right. Yep. Yeah. It, that's so interesting. It's crazy is- to me because have you ever grown a pepper? Peppers are really easy to grow. I grew peppers in the desert in Texas, and they were totally fine. Apparently, they okay, they get well- uh they get spicy with in the Basque regions in a way they don't in other parts of Europe. So, really? Like yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's a um now. Kelly, don't quote either Josiah or I on this, and maybe perhaps don't even quote Mark Kurlansky. <laughs> but apparently, because I don't, I don't think Mark Kurlansky is a fucking uh, plant biologist. But apparently, when you get into northern latitudes, the like capsaicin and peppers just like doesn't fire quite right. And so, like, you could grow a habanero in Spain, and it won't be as spicy as a habanero as you grow in Florida. Um, I think it's related to the. Know, like, I think it's related like to the just, sun or something. It's. I, yeah. I, I know That's this crazy. is a thing. That's so crazy. I had no idea peppers yeah. were so so temperamental. They are, yeah. I actually have a question for you guys. Um, the book did it talk a lot about religion? Uh, yes yeah. and no. Uh, the first half, I would say, especially in the Middle Ages. Yeah, it's not. I, as... I am curious because I, I, I wanted to hear some of some of y'all's thoughts, some things that came up about religion. The one thing that I thought was cool that I found on the Wikipedia is that as a as a burst of Protestantism in the Basque community, the New Testament was translated into Basque. Uh, oh, interesting. He actually did not. He did not talk about that. I just thought that was really interesting. I don't really remember that being something that he talked about very much. I I don't think he does. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no. I remember that he was, he talked a lot about the fact that like the kind of pagan beliefs held on for much longer than in most of the rest of continental Europe. But then when the Bosques converted, they converted hard. Yeah, they they made me think of the Irish with this, where because of mm-hmm. that they had kind of a kind of indigenized Catholicism that they kind of ended up with because of that. You know, it's it's similar to like, you know, Ireland holds on to like Celtic pagan beliefs like a lot longer than other chunks of Europe, but then when they become Catholic, they have a very, you know, Celtic Catholicism becomes a very distinct flavor. You know, it's it's kind of it's uh Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, and so it made me think of basketball yeah. flavorful. Well, they were yeah. the host of several missionaries, right? Yeah, like and they also they were the source uh, of a bunch of people who became missionaries. Yeah, and then as I, I've noted a couple times now, uh, Ignatius of Loyola is Basque, so the the Jesuits, the Jesuits were yeah. founded by Basques. The founder of the Society of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. crazy. Our Fucking dude crazy. himself. Our dude himself. Actually, man, I look. Say what you want about the Jesuits. <laughs> they're they're okay. They are fine. Yeah, they're you know, you know what's disappointing. You know what? Actually, you know what? This is not my time to start I, having so, my gripes about various Catholic like, Catholic. Shut up! Yeah, man. I was People about to just be like, I was just. 
yeah you, you're you're an atheist i'm i'm a i'm an episcopalian and we just get on this call and i'm like you know and another thing about the franciscans let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> that goddamn benedictines these fucking de- uh, no, but yeah, yeah. You know what? Like, like broad swathes of things. Jesuits, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. Yeah. That's that's basically where I that's where I come down on them. Is like, yeah, you're fine. So let's see. We have so the religion of the Basque. So yeah, it's it's they're very very pretty emphatically Catholic. So that's why I'm interested by you mentioning Basque Protestants because I don't remember Basque Protestants really coming up in the book unless I missed it. Yeah, I don't think he really talked to the. I don't. Well, I don't remember Kurlansky talking about Basque Protestants at all. Um, mm-hmm. in the book, but I would also be surprised if it wasn't a part of Bosque history, um, at some point, because like what part of Europe didn't undergo the Protestant reformation? Yeah. Yeah. yeah like even, even yeah, the emphatic, I, yeah, emphatic Catholic countries still have like, I mean the, you know, the Huguenots exist, right? Like it's, it's right. Yeah. Yeah. There's just like there's no way to avoid it no matter where you are in Europe. There are Protestants in Italy. Yeah. You know? Like there's yeah, no way so to fucking like, avoid it. It sounds like the um the translation that I brought up of the New Testament into Basque, it was um by a sixteenth century priest. So that would have okay. been right around the time. That would have been right fresh in the yeah, Reformation. That would yep. make sense. So Scotty. So that's very interesting. And I think it's very interesting that it was a translation of just the New Testament, not the Old. Yeah, that is now, interesting, um, actually. Now, uh, Kelly, sorry, Chimera, um, is there uh, is there evidence that that uh, translation was done specifically by a Protestant, like, like a priest that was like going into Protestantism, or was it um, a priest that was inspired by by protestantism to translate yeah the New is, it a, is it a into the is it a is it a reformation vernacular. thing or a, or a counter reformation yeah thing. so yeah. he was a he was baptized as a catholic um and then it says although it's not known where he was trained as a priest and then converted to protestantism during his training in 1560 uh, okay. okay so well, at that point he's either lutheran or calvinist right right <laughs> So um, it doesn't say, let me see if I can find that out. I'm actually interested in that question. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm tr- but, you know, aside, aside from that, I would say like Catholic identity is a big part of their nationalism as well. So that that's also where yeah. this does. Become oh, important. this is interesting. Do you want to oh, hear wait, something? Yes. Yeah, go he for it. Is, he is one of the first authors to have used the term Basque country. Oh, interesting. Oh, I feel like so, he should have come up so in the that book. Phrase then. Oh, now hold on. Um, hold on. There came is from this, this religious writer. Hey, hey, Kelly, what's uh, what's the what's the what's the name? Jo Joannes J O A N E S, and then last name is L E I Z A R R A G A Lizaraga. Oh, he's okay. He was one of the early attempts at standardizing Basque language. Did we just like, are we just forgetting a chunk in the book that talked about this? Because this sounds like something I think we covered. might, but I'm also not 
Sorry, I'm looking in the index and I'm not seeing this guy. Okay, so maybe he really did just miss this because that's which is kind of interesting. I will say he does kind of uh, blaze past the Middle Ages pretty quick. I mean, it's like a chapter or two. Yeah, he really wants I, to mean, spend I, I, I don't popular history for, for leaving that out because I mean Catholicism was still the dominant dominant wing, even though yeah there was this New Testament material available because of a Protestant. Yeah, well, and, and, you know, he's chomping at the bit to talk about nationalism and and Francoist Spain, really. Like, you could tell that's where he wants to go with this. Yeah, he um, wants to get there. Because he wants that's to get what he's to most what interested he lived in. through. Yeah, right. Yeah. Which, I, you know, don't don't blame him for it. I mean, if I was writing the book, <clears> I'd probably do the same. I'd get kind of bored with some of the Middle Ages stuff and be like, let's get to the... Uh, Let's get to the the terrorism and shit. That's the interesting stuff, <laughs> right? Well, okay, but 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 can we talk a, a little bit about the yeah. position of the Bosques in the Civil War? In the wait, in Which, the American Civil War? The, or no, it's the, the in, Spanish, no, the Civil, Spanish War. Civil War. Okay, I thought you were about because to blow my mind. The, I was like, <laughs> no, because because the Bosques were on the side of Franco at the beginning of the Spanish Civil War, and then switched, right? Well, they switched once Franco won, and Franco was a bag of dicks to him, which is why you should never, like, ally with fascists. Yeah, they're going to turn on you. Dumbass. They're uh, going to turn on you. <laughs> like, if you are a minority, don't ally yourself with fascists. Yeah. Well, sorry, if you are any person of good conscience, don't ally okay, yourself yeah, with Yeah, pragmatically, fascists. if you're a minority, it is not a good strategy. If you're a white person, morally... You should not join the fascists on a moral yes, level. There we go. Pra pragmatically, <laughs> if you are a minority, you're never going to win because those will come for you next. And if you are in the majority, the majority. don't do it because um, that makes you a bad person. Because then you're bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So, right. They fought yes. on the side of the Francoists, right? And then, yeah, they switched after. Right for the after first the... part of it. Yeah. And then Franco won and then immediately started to do um, a repression against them. And they were like, hey, what's this all about? And they're like, well, look, man, I'm uh, it's the like scorpion and the frog situation. Yeah, <laughs> we, we will both. Die. Or whatever, like that dumb story is. Or you could just say, like, I don't know, punch fascist in the face and tell him to eat shit every yeah. time you see him. Like, yeah, I but it's, you know, this you... is. You know, this is a, a big part of like a historical context as well with the 30s overall. It's just like uh, an embarrassing amount of Catholics supported Franco. Um, yeah. Like, and, and like even ones that weren't necessarily well, right wing. It, it, kind of, it kind of makes sense, though, because one of the ways that they were oppressed culturally is that they were only allowed to have um public gatherings via mass right like they they weren't allowed to do some of the uh more more paganistic like um rituals or practices that that they did i'm not familiar with those but um mm -hmm. i just know that they weren't allowed to um that they were just allowed to go to church yeah so catholicism so was it makes them. sense yeah. that catholics would be on board with that yeah, it, it does also make a certain amount of sense that like um uh that that Bosque folks would see the Republic, which is an avowedly secular thing. Yes. Right. And, and, and like and in and 
uh, an avowedly left-wing thing as a threat to them. So, like, I, I, I get it a bit. I do get it, and I get what you're saying as well. And this also sort of comes back to that question that we were talking about earlier, you know, vis-a-vis, like, <clears throat> minority rights, regional rights, etc. It, it, like, it's like, this is a question that is, like, potentially not resolvable mm-hmm. um, on the scale of national identity. I, I, I don't... You know, well, like, yeah. Well, because the the tension, I think the tension between secularism and uh, religion, especially when you're talking about a democratic or nationalist project, is I still don't think we have a very good answer for that question. Uh, you know, I don't because, think so either. You know, I, I think that's a kind of tricky question to answer, though, because like, um, can, can man, we're, are we just going to piss off Catholics this episode? Uh, like the question of the French Revolution. I don't want to piss off it. Catholics. Like no, fine. no, I don't. But like the questions of the French Revolution, right, are kind of this same thing, right? Where it's like, no, I don't like the burning of the churches and shit like that they did. But also, like, can you have a democracy with this like landed interest like this? You know, like I don't, I don't know. You know, like the the role yeah, the church but, is but playing. But then the question, yeah, I think that's the bigger problem. Is that like. If the church is playing a role of landowner, mm-hmm. then that's an issue. And and like, like you know, being an anti-democratic structure that holds a huge control over, like, say, the state or something like that. Like that's yeah, that's and a like, tricky question. question and so is, obviously the the Basques see the burning churches side of republicanism and they're like, Well, I'm not joining on the republic, but it's also like I don't know, like, but on the flip side, dude, democracy is going to help you guys out way more than Franco is like, <laughs> you right, know, exactly. Like, <laughs> and like, and, and like, do you not see that the people it's tricky? I don't want to be a hard any clericalist or anything like that, but it's like, do you not see that? Like these people are like, okay, they're burning. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> the burning of birth registries is actually a pretty like, freeing thing for people yeah yeah now yeah. it sucks for historians because i don't know where you came from yeah but also yeah but if no. you are if you are if you are a person who is bound to the land and your birth registry is gone yeah that's i mean then that's that was a you, you get know, to go a, yeah that was the the yeah big big aspect of the french revolution like some of the peasant uprisings and then it plays a I think it pl- did it play a role in Basque Land? I don't know if I, I missed that. Was there a lot of the burning of? I, I'm I'm not entirely sure, but like that was a significant part of the control apparatus. Yeah, is the like birth and baptismal registries because maintains this is where you're from. Still, the, yeah, right. Yeah, you're yeah. still bound to the land in certain ways. No. Yeah, in like an aristocratic system. You know what I mean? Like in yeah. a. Uh, very real sense you are either born a peasant or born in the arist- aristocracy like it's yeah it's, and you know, if, so yeah if burning evidence those of your existence is erased then you're free you can go do mm-hmm. whatever you want to do and so that's um, and that's exactly a great representation exactly of like where this whole anti-clericalism question gets a little tricky because it's like, well, the Catholic church, at least in this time and, you know, Protestant churches as well elsewhere, like in, in England or whatever, they, they, they represent the landed interest. Like it's, you're going to have to do some, some breaking away. And I, you know what? And the thing is, and I think a lot of 
if you're if a Catholic's listening to this, they probably would agree with this. I mean, uh, Catholicism was better for it for these revolutions because it was able to finally return yeah. to being about spiritual matters, and the politics yeah. could be like, you know, like the like liberation theology or something where it you know the politics become more about you know, opening itself up to democracy. I don't know if this would piss off Catholics or not, but, but, you know, like, I think that's well, no, I, the case, right? Like, I, yeah, I think you're probably on to something there, at least a little bit. It, it maybe took the Catholic church, you know, like a little too long. Any organization that is <laughs> as big as the Catholic church is going to take like a very long time to turn this, the ship around. But I mean, even the, even the counter reformation, Okay, mm-hmm. like we say it's the counter reformation, but no, like, but it's the Catholic some reformation. Good stuff in there. Really. Yeah, well, because it, it yeah. was a reforming of the church in, in light of the complaints that Protestantism brought in. And so, like, yeah, and it was pretty good. Know, and I think, yeah, I think it was good. Like, it's so funny all the, the Catholic, the like return with a V Catholics, because like Catholicism is so much better now than it used to be. I like, <laughs> and, and it has a lot of room to improve, of course. Like, of course, I you know got my beefs, but like, man, I wouldn't want to be a Catholic a hundred years ago, right? I wouldn't want to be a fucking Catholic like a hundred years ago when like error has no right was like a concept, uh, you know, like a major, <laughs> like that would suck. <laughs> How the fuck did we get on this? Uh, religion and the Basques. Yeah. The Basques joined Franco in part because they were scared of the kind of stuff we're talking about right now. The the yes. democracy needing to kind of deal with the land and interests of the church. And uh Yes. Yeah, which is um I oh, I, man, it's so, I even said this I even said this in my notes. I was like, ah, church capture again. Because Franco just yeah. captured the Catholic Church within Spain. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. And and so many Catholics yep. cheered it on worldwide. I mean, um, okay. Here here's here's a thing that I put in my notes that I shared with you. Okay, responsibility to protect. Are you familiar with that like kind of doctrine in uh, like international relations? Oh, no, yeah. Um. No, I don't. At least okay, I mean I know so, what those words uh, mean, and I can kind of deduce what I think it means, but I yeah. Okay, so it's this thing that kind of um, it gained currency in the 90s with this idea that, like, when people are, when people in ethnic groups are being attacked, um, great powers have a responsibility to protect them. To, like, intervene or whatever. To intervene. Yeah, okay. Right? Now, ah, this is 90s, a tricky one. This is a tricky one. This is, this is, brother. Oh, this man. Is. Yeah, I mean, it, this is mm-hmm. the argument on the left. I mean, talk, think of like Yugoslavia and shit, right? Yeah, this is the. This is the argument, period. Yeah. I think when it comes to IR right now. And I will say that I spent most of the early 2000s going, mm And now I'm like, about it yeah it's 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 a tricky question well yeah the reason i say it's an issue for the left i say it's an issue for the left is because like i you know if you're not on the left you don't inherently have a problem with like american hegemony but when you're on the left you have a Mm -hmm. beef with american hegemony and so then that's always Mm -hmm. the question is like well is the nato bombing campaigns in yugoslavia in the 90s is that 
you know, the, the enforcement of American hegemony or is it the prevention of a genocide? I, and I don't, I don't know how I feel about that question. I'm still really torn on it. Okay. Yeah. I will say that in general, I think we did the right thing. I, in general, I think we needed to stop that. Now, the problem is the way that that what I would say was a smart thing to do got generalized into everything else we did yeah. for about the next 20 years. Well, cuz ni- the 90s what we're, were doing Yeah, cuz the the 90s become like well, you have Rwanda and you have Bosnia and you have the case where the U.S. intervened and tried to stop a genocide. And then you had a time where the U.S. just kind of watched it happen. And so those kind of yep. became the doctrine. It's like you don't want to do a Rwanda. You want to do a Bosnia. That's yep. that's the way and to do it. What we should have done is stopped Rwanda. And we mm-hmm. did, in fact, stop what happened in Bosnia. Yes. However, you know, I think like, it's a very case by case question, I think, is where I, I think probably something resembling my, I don't know, position would be is yeah, just, I don't think yeah, you can make no, a hard I, rule out of this. I, I just don't know if you can make a hard rule out of this because Iraq is yeah. the obvious example later on, right? Like where it's like, well, that's, mm-hmm. you know, that, that kind of intervention obviously well, fucked over or, or I, sorry. Lib, uh, li, yeah. Yeah. Libya. And, sorry. Libya, I think is the better one because yeah, no, Iraq wasn't actually responsible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that they tried to dress Iraq up into an R2P like situation but like nobody bought that. Yeah. Yeah. Like nobody bought that, but Syria was sold to us as an R2P uh situation and like well if it was we would have done a lot more. Yeah, there wouldn't be slave markets in Libya right now if we'd actually done that. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, sorry. I I actually just missed those two up, Libya oh, and yeah. Syria. But like, oh, with right. both places. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, but like with both places, if we really felt that we had a responsibility to protect, we would have done much more than we did. Yeah, but we didn't. We just like lobbed bombs on people. Yeah, mostly like just killing civilians. To protect, yeah. yeah, responsibility to protect also means, like, putting people there. Like, there are still American soldiers, and people don't like this, but, like, there are still American soldiers in the former Yugoslavia right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they're there as a, hey, if you guys start shooting, we'll stop you. Because mm-hmm. you're not allowed to do yeah. that. Right. You know, and like, that's what we're doing in the Balkans. We weren't willing to do that for Libya and we weren't willing to do that in Syria. We did this half-assed bullshit. Yeah. And now yeah, both no. countries kind of suck. Syria. Oof. Yeah. We, no, we nailed it in Syria. Things are going so well right now. What are you talking about? Uh. <laughs> well, and then, and now we've got, now we've got Ukraine where it's like all but yeah. a proxy war, which I hot take basically agree with everything we're doing because i don't think what's going on is okay mm-hmm. like i don't think that russia invading another country is something that we should like let happen but like there's no good solutions for anybody and that's something that like is annoying um when you hear people being like why aren't we giving them more stuff it's like because we don't want a nuclear war. Do you not understand how bad that would be? Yeah, yeah. 
Wait, um, we let's, can't have that how, happen. Where does this, uh, how do we pull this back into the Basques real quick? Um, yeah, this sorry. Is uh, well, tour, though. Ah, what I would say is that like, okay, so we've got like this R2P thing, which is the entire reason I wanted to bring this up in the first place was that like, you could have made a case for responsibility to protect during the Spanish Civil War. And that the fact that we did not go in there and protect meant that the Spanish Civil War ended up the way it did. I think that's the entire reason I brought it up in in the entire beginning. And then from there, you've got this entire like 60 year trail of just horseshit Spanish politics and and repression of minorities, which is what leads to the ETA, right? Who function mm-hmm. essentially as the Bosque IRA. And like, yeah. look, man, I can't blame these guys. No, I can't either. All of this like loops back into my whole like question about centralization and localization. It's like, I don't know how to synthesize this shit. <laughs> I can't figure this out. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause I think, I think you mentioning this, like, uh, the, the U S's policy towards Spain also is kind of just an interesting question. Like you mentioned too, like, you know, Kissinger's whole thing was just like, we're just waiting for an old guy to die at this point. Like that's our policy. Right. Yeah, we're just waiting um, for for Franco to die, and like Spain will be fine again. It's like, just kill him. Honestly, though, like you know, that's like I know you don't that, yeah. like that. Would have been the one assassination that Kissinger could have ordered that I'd have been fine with. <laughs> like yeah, what the I mean, fuck, dude? <laughs> just kill him. You know he's bad for the country. It, Jesus it, yeah, and every Christ. everyone in the fucking country hates him. Like it's he's not a popular no one ruler likes at this him. point. Yeah, it's like yeah, stagnant done, fascism. Like it all devolves too because there is no future in fascism. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's like, um yeah. that's an interesting chunk of uh, Paxton's book Anatomy of Fascism too is is Spain being mm-hmm. this weird exception because it's like this I don't know, like geriatric fascism, you know, it's like slow moving fascism because if you do normal fascism, it's a fucking death cult and it dies in five years. But you know, yeah. But if you do, if you do slow fascism, it's just stagnation for your entire life and there's no future for you. And why, why would you anyway? Um, why would you do that? <laughs> I thought that um, there was, uh, after Franco died, the way that there was this, like, state capture of the socialists was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The way the, the way that once the socialists, like, got power in Spain, like, through elections, and then the apparatus of the state just, like, got them, I thought that that was a thing that was um, uh, uh, potentially a lesson for um, those of us like me uh, who uh, kind of uh, advocate electoralism in things of like, hey, don't let the state, don't let the Capture state get you. you. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Because, yeah, I mean, that's, it's, that's, that's exactly what happened in Spain. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's, I mean, that, man, we really love to just like nosedive straight to like the most controversial subjects of the left. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's well, talk about I whether voting keep... works. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't keep myself from it. Um, well, I here, know, I, I don't I think know. this will be very. Um, I don't think this will be very uh, 
controversial from the left, but I just like took a glimpse. My last note on that shared note that I had with you is also I hate Frank Gary. I hate Frank Gary. Yeah. Fuck that dude. <laughs> His stupid fucking buildings. I hate that dude. Dumb fucking buildings. <laughs> I hate Stark architecture. It's all dumb. Why did you build that <laughs> dumb building in Bilbao that leaks constantly? Stupid piece of shit. <laughs> truly fuck frank gary though and that actually okay that actually kind of a little bit leads into like kind of the last thing that i had to like talk about i don't know if you've got more that you want to talk about but like um, one of the no, last I feel like things we've hit i want to talk about yeah, yeah yeah one of the last things that i wanted to talk about is the way that um uh the bosque country has kind of been turned into disneyland now he he kind of yeah, like that talks was super a little bit he talks a little bit in that last bit about how the boss country is just a tourist destination now and and that that seems to be the way that the bosks are like holding on to their cultural identity is to turn themselves into a snow globe but like i don't know about that man yeah, uh, that gets into a, a tricky relationship with your traditions and culture and stuff, too. Once you commodify it, it changes it. Its relationship yeah. is altered, you know? So I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, it, it's boss. kind of... I it can't kind of tell ends them what to do. A, yeah, but it, it does end on kind of a, a bleak note on that front, in a way. Even though the book, I yeah. don't think, is that bleak. Overall, it's actually not, uh, not, not as depressing as probably some of the later books we're going to read in this series, but... Um, oh, good Christ. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, next up is Vic- is late Victorian holocausts. By the way, uh, <laughs> it's going to be a bad time, everyone. It's going to be such a bad time. Uh... <laughs> yeah, no, it does kind of. We're going to be real like... sad for about two hours. <laughs> it's like it, yeah, because the, this this culture we've been reading about with this whole book finally builds up to just kind of becoming like, and now you can visit it. You know, yeah. <laughs> and uh, spend now, money. Hey, congratulations. <laughs> now you're Epcot. Yep. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. They're like an autonomous region, literally in a Disney World sense, kind of, too. Right. It's like this. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's a bummer. Well, shit. I didn't mean to end it this way. No. Yeah. We can find a find a nicer way to wrap it up. But I I mean, it's a hey, their it's language a, is really cool. We their could talk about cool. how how their super cool language is like super oppressed in the northern region because of France. Yeah, well, oh France right, sucks, France is so. still yeah, France is still going after because their, their... France is on their their national language stick. Yeah, France yeah. sucks ass. Yeah, news yeah. at eleven. It's and so they go after the Basques for their public education systems being in Basque. I mean, yeah that. Yeah, I hate they that. they don't let them. They make they make their schools be in French, even though they're uh they're functionally in an autonomous state. I mean, yeah. Well, when has that ever stopped the French? Yeah. <laughs> again, yeah. Uh, sorry to to quote Eddie Izzard yet again. Don't get me wrong, I like the French, but they can be kind of French. <laughs> it is true. I I mean, I was gonna say like yeah, France. France's nationalism, I think, I think it skirts under the rug. I feel like people don't address it as much. 
Um, like I remember a lot of I people agree. would talk really, really lovingly in college. Some of the poli sci majors I knew talk really lovingly about the sec- the French secularism approach of like making it illegal to preach in public and stuff like that. But it's being used to enforce against, you know, like people would not get what I was trying to say when I would say this, but it was like, yeah, but it's not like it really oppresses Christians that much. Like, it's not like it's actually like making a secular f- space because I'm, I was, you know, I'm play if you go to Paris, you stay in places called like Saint Denis named after, you know, saints, but Saint like, uh, yeah, exactly. As like, as like, you know, what, what that really gets hold enforced on. on is like burkas and stuff. That's what it's used for. Yeah. Sorry. So. Hold on. This is when you two were in college. Yeah. There was some poli sci majors that, uh, I guess discovered France and were really excited. Okay. About well, it. this is dumb shit. That, sorry, that's a dumb shit argument that was happening when I was in high school and I that's saw through wild. that shit. Like, well, how in the dicks are people still falling for that crap? Like, I know, the secularism thing is not, it, it's because it's usually people who just are really like the, it's like. It's just an excuse, it's just an excuse, sorry, excuse. <laughs> it's just an excuse. It's just an excuse to be a fucking white nationalist. That's all That's it is. That's what I'm fucking saying. This is what I'm always saying. That's it's like, all like, it is. It's, it's always been that way. It's just an excuse to be racist. It's it's always been, but it's it's people people in the US like, you know, baby's first uh, you know, poli sci course kind of have that mindset and they yeah. they you know, they know a lot of the problems about America is because of religious, you know, religious fundamentalists and so they really fantasize about the secularist model but like the se- plur- like I don't know, as a, as a, a avowed, you know, Democrat, small D, not like Democratic Party, but like I am a Democrat. No, fuck those uh, guys. It's not just secularism is the approach. It's pluralism. That is, that is what we want. Right. A pluralistic society, not a secular one. Because a secular one where is Where everyone's one, got a voice. Yeah, a secular one is one where you are still enforcing one religious system. Like, it's obvious, right? Like it fucks over yeah. Sikhs, it fucks over Muslims, it fucks over it fucks over everyone. I was also gonna say France when it comes to the nationalism shit. What, okay, here's my favorite fun fact, and by that I mean it's a big down. They do fun have fact, a very based national anthem though. That's true, but I will say okay. Well, I'll just I'll show the cards here. France was the most re- like the the last country to deport Roma to do a expulsion of Roma. What year was it? Can you That's guess? Bad, bro. What year I'm was it? I'm gonna guess though? last one. It, yeah, it was twenty. It was 2010. Was the last expulsion of uh, Roma in Europe, and uh, it was France that did it. So cool. Uh, uh, dope. Well, that's the sucks. most recent. Yeah, most recent European country to do Nazi shit. Uh, <laughs> was the French? Was the French? Not even the fucking Germans. Okay. Anyway, so hey, yeah, so there's um, still. Uh, oh yeah, good. Rosa is cry. Okay. So I need to take the dogs out, and I think we need to probably wrap up for the night. All right, let's do it. So, uh, uh, yeah, fuck the hey, French. This was, yeah, fuck the French. We need to have that be um, our sign-off. <laughs> oh, that'll come up in late Victorian Holocaust, I'm pretty sure. Uh, oh, I know. So we'll just have, as our sign-off, uh, fuck the French. Fuck the French. Uh, this yep. has been Josiah and Chris read a book. That's with right. Chimera. With Chimera. Hell yeah. All right, let's get out of here. You did it. You got through an episode of Fruitless. That's awesome. 
Um, I'm thinking about launching a Patreon. Actually, I technically did launch a Patreon. I just don't have a, a plan of what's going to be on it. So uh, I'm going to have that link in the show notes. Right now, I am just going to read the, the patrons at the end of episodes right here, the, this part of the show. This is where I will do that in the future. Um, aside from that, I am planning some bonus content and stuff like that as well as time goes on. And uh, I'm just kind of trying to treat Fruitless as a free blank space right now that I could just kind of a blank slate. Blank slate is the word I'm looking for. I could just do whatever I want with it. So uh, look forward to that. And yes, there is also uh, some video content and work on YouTube. You do see that in the show notes, there is a YouTube channel. So hopefully you'll be seeing more of that. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you also to Chris Barker for being on here and uh, my girlfriend Kelly slash Chimera for joining this episode. It was, uh, it was a blast. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone.